You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. I'm going to start off a little different than I did um, this morning. For those of you who are at the Perryville campus, it was really awesome. I was ministering. The anointing oil came down, and I don't mean like the the spiritual anointing oil. There's like a little bottle that sits right here on the thing, and in the middle of the message, it just fell down. And I was like, wow, is that spiritual? (laughs) Yeah, I was talking about distractions, and then it just happened. So it might have been the Lord. I don't know. All right, so I just want to take a second to just honor Pastor Kent and Liz. I'm really grateful to be here and to be ministering on their platform. And they have always given me just so much opportunity and have pulled the word out of me and just um, have really just set me up to follow the Lord with my life, my parents too. Um, But specifically for Pastor Kent and Liz, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to share and entrusting me with all these precious saints. I'm really grateful, grateful to be here. And and you guys don't even know the blessing that you have to be here and to have these guys as your pastors, these guys, this guy and Liz as your pastors. Um, I mean, I know that this church went, has been through a lot and transitioned and everything, and there's really no better people you could have ended up with as your pastors. So so yes, I'm very, very thankful for them and, and for the opportunity to be able to speak to you guys this evening. I love Night Church. I go to Freedom Church in Colorado now. I'm the pastor of ministries there, and so that just means I oversee all the ministry stuff. It's a lot of admin, and then I have someone help me do all the admin stuff because I'm actually not that good at it. And, <laughs> and then it's just a lot of um, communication and leadership that I get to do, so it's really awesome, and it's been just a a phenomenal growing opportunity for me. And so, so yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. I went, I went to Bible college. I did three years of Bible college and now I'm there planted in that church. And so, so it's been really good. And we have church on Saturday evening. So I like an evening, an evening church crowd. You guys are usually a little more wild than everybody else. Kind of loud during the worship. All right. And then the, the Perryville people were like, we're the wild ones. I mean, what are you talking about? All right. So John chapter four, you guys have all probably heard these, um, this scripture taught a lot, but I want to start from here. Let me get my notes open here. I want to start from here because I'm going to be talking about having an awakened posture. Um, Pastor Kent and Liz have their own ministry, ward ministries, and their uh, vision statement or mission statement maybe gospel preached, hearts awakened, nations reformed. And so I'm going to camp out on heart awakening posture tonight. And I believe that a big key to being having your heart awakened or living in a state of awakening is hunger, is hunger for God, hunger for the things of God, hunger to see God move in your life. And so um, I'm going to start out in John chapter four, because um, as I was kind of putting together this message, I started doing this months ago, um, just putting together a message I, with no specific place that I knew I was going to deliver it. But I just started making notes because I just believe the Lord was speaking some really powerful things to me. And then when Pastor Kent asked me to share, I was like, this is where the word goes. So um, when I started making uh, notes on this a few months ago, I was just, I was having, um, I was just 
in the shower and the Lord just spoke to me and said, are you thirsty and are you hungry? And I was like, I mean, I think so. And, and the Lord started speaking to me out of this scripture. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about hunger and thirst. So in John chapter four, um, this is when Jesus is going through Samaria and he meets the woman at the well. And it says um, in verse seven, a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked for me, asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And then Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So their hearts are in two different postures right now. Jesus is talking about spiritual water. He's talking about the spirit of God. And this woman is talking about natural water, right? So she's stopped. Her mind is in a place of natural things, okay? So, so many times in our lives, our minds are in a place of very natural things. And so I want to take you on a journey tonight in this message in this few minutes that I have. Is that the right time up there? I think so. Okay. Um, I want to take you on this journey of talking about when we're stuck kind of in our natural place, how to get, bring our heart back to a place of being awakened before the Lord, right? Or, or if we're stuck in a natural place where we could say we're sleepy, we get a little bit sleepy spiritually, how we're going to bring our place, our heart back to a place of awakening. So Jesus is in a really different place. And it says, then the woman said to him, this is in verse 11, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from, and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And when the Lord was speaking this scripture to me, he was saying, whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst. And, and it's like the Lord just added this word in there continually. He who drinks continually of the water that I give him will never thirst. And I believe that there's a call on us to position ourselves and position our heart before him where we continually thirst and hunger for what it is that he has for us specifically. And um, there's a, I think there's, sometimes we get stuck on like, are we supposed to be hungry and thirsty for God? Because it says we'll never hunger and we'll never thirst. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. And so it's like, so then we should live in a continual state of being filled. And I believe what this is talking about is when we drink of the water that he gives us, we actually won't thirst for other things. We won't hunger for other things. And so this is bringing us to a place of realizing that we're made to hunger and thirst for the things of the spirit. We all have to do natural things, right? And in this, in this story, the Samaritan woman, she's just doing a natural thing. Did she have to go get water for herself? Yeah, that's how you got water. You go to the well and you draw. And her mind is in this completely natural state, which is okay. It's okay to do natural things. We have to do natural things, right? But the difference is, is living in a state of only natural things or living in a state of being hungry and thirsty for what it is that God has for us. So I'm going to keep reading on. Where was I at? Verse, which verse? 14. Okay. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's getting the idea, but still in a totally natural state of mind, right? She's looking for her natural thirst to get fulfilled. And I mean, that would be really nice. If you had to walk miles for water, you might be thinking, get me the water so I don't have to come here every day to draw. And that was her first thought. Then Jesus, you know, the story says, go call your husband, come here. And she, um, she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've well said, I have no husband. If you've had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly and the woman said to him sir i perceive you're a prophet good perception we're getting there all right so now there's something different happening right she said i perceive you're a prophet she realized there's something more that's actually happening here she realized this is something more natural and do you know what her mind immediately went from i'm thirsty and i don't want to have to come here to draw water to something that I believe she probably premeditated on because as soon as she knew she had encountered someone spiritual, she immediately asked this question. It was no longer about water. It was about satisfying a deeper thirst within her. And she says, the first question she asked, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So she wants to know, the first thing she wants to know is how do I worship God? How do I get the worship to him? How do I get him to receive what it is that I am pouring out of myself? And really, she's asking exactly what Jesus was there to give. She's asking exactly what he was there to give. Jesus knew already when he was going to have this encounter that this woman, she's hungry and she's thirsty. And she's looking for something to deeper satisfy. And she knew that that deeper thing was to be able to worship God, to be able to be in communion with God. That word worship is prayer. It's the same thing, to be in communion with God. How do I worship God? How do I be in communion with God? And that was the first thing that was on her mind. And so then the story goes on. Jesus is actually seeking to be worshiped. He says the Father is seeking such to worship him, people who will worship him in spirit and truth. Now flip over to John chapter 6. I'm going through these scriptures really fast because I did not read these this morning and I filled my time this morning and this is just something I wanted to add. So I'm like, where does it fit? I don't know. All right. So in John chapter six is when Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then there's a storm and Jesus walks on the water. You guys know the story. We're going to skip down to verse um, uh, 25. So basically they're like, how did Jesus get to where he's at? Because they don't know he walked on the water. He did walk on the water. They saw the disciples leave by themselves and then and then Jesus is now with them and so they've got questions but they were searching for Jesus and in verse 25 it says when they found him on the other side of the sea they said to him rabbi when did you come here and Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you you seek me not because you saw signs but because you ate the loaves and were filled so Jesus is saying you're not even seeking me for who I am you're seeking because I've met a natural need for you. Your mind's in the natural. Your bellies were filled in the natural. And your mind is on natural things, right? Same thing with the woman at the well. She was naturally thirsty, right? So these people are naturally hungry and naturally thirsty in their bodies, right? 
And Jesus is saying that there's something greater and there's something more. And the reason why I'm reading these scriptures is because I want you to see that those natural things, I think a lot of times as Christians, we kind of fall back into this state of just natural living, right? And you have to do natural things, right? You have to, you have to do your laundry. You have to go to the grocery store. You have to do those natural things. But so many times as we completely separate the spiritual and the natural, and the woman at the well did this because it was natural, natural, natural. Oh, now we're in the moment of the spirit, and now I have a spiritual question. Instead of living each day of your natural life supernaturally. And so the Lord is asking of us, the Lord is asking of us to come to a deeper place where it's not all about the natural. It's not all about the carnal things. Um, in Isaiah 52, 55 verse 2, excuse me, this is going back to Jesus said, um, you, you didn't seek me because you saw a sign, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. And in verse 27, it says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal upon him. All right, now Isaiah 55, verse 2, it says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen to me carefully and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. So the Lord is saying that there's a deeper satisfaction that is to come for us. There's a deeper call on our lives. And hunger, when it has response, right? If you're hungry and you eat, you'll continue to get hungry. If you're hungry and you ignore it, you will not continue to get hungry. I learned this. I was talking to my sister and like about all my different, she's a nutritionist, right? She went through all the schooling and stuff. And so I was talking to her about some different habits or whatever. And she was like, Stop having coffee in the morning before you've eaten anything. You're never going to get hungry if you don't eat in the morning. And it's like you spend all this time that you're not eating, and then it takes your body longer to get hungry. And it's the same in the spirit, is if you don't respond to any level of hunger that you have, eventually that hunger will just go away. And so when we talk about our heart being awakened, we have a hunger for awakening. We have a hunger to live fully alive in our spirits, fully alive to God. We have a hunger and we're being called to respond to that. And when we respond to that, we become hungry again. And it keeps our heart in a state of being awake to God, of being aware of his presence, of being aware of what it is that he wants to do. And, and so it's really important, excuse me, it's really important that we respond to hunger. So I was, um, recently I had, um, I started reading my Bible before I went to bed and I had my Bible open just like this. And then my journal was laying across it like this. And I set it on the floor by my bed and I went to bed. And like an hour before I had my alarm set to go off, it was still dark in the morning, I just jolted away because I heard this noise in my room. And I live with the family, so I hear noises in the house. It's like, it's not that scary, but it was in my room right next to my bed. It really freaked me out. And this was the noise. And I just heard that super loud, like that crackling noise. And the first thing, I like jolted awake and I, I thought a few like different things really quickly. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a mouse in my room. And I was like, my first thought, there's a mouse in my wall, something. I just hear this scratching noise. It totally freaked me out. And it was just right there by my bed. So I was like, oh, my gosh. 
So I hurried up and I flipped on the light switch and I see my Bible right there and my Bible page is just waving. And I had went to sleep with the, you know, my journal on top of it. And somehow in the middle of the night, the journal moved, or in the early morning, the journal moved just enough that the fan, the wind of the fan, caught my Bible page and started moving it. And it wasn't, you know, like the wind of God. It was the wind of my fan that I sleep with every night. So I was like, that's really crazy. So I just did, you know, what anyone would do. And I moved my journal back on top of the page and I turned the light off and I went to sleep. And I was like, and then later that day, the Lord kind of brought to my remembrance because it was early in the morning and I went back to sleep. I wasn't going to miss my last hour, man. I love sleeping. And so, so the Lord brought to my remembrance what had happened and I'm laying there and, and the Lord just was, was drawing me away. Even though that was a really natural thing that happened, right? My Bible page. And it's like, that was a really natural thing that happened. And whether the Lord came in and moved my journal just enough for my Bible page to be flipping around or somehow at the end of my eight hours of sleeping, it caught my Bible page and I don't know. But the point is, is that the Lord used it to speak to me something so powerful. And this is what I kind of want to, I'm going to repeat maybe this phrase a few times throughout this. But what I believe that this message is about, the Lord spoke to me when I was thinking about that whole thing that happened with my Bible page. And he said, I'm drawing people away with me. I'm making a noise that draws them out of their slumber. Will you come or will you continue sleeping? In that moment, in the natural, I chose to continue sleeping. And, you know, you don't want to miss your last hour, right? <laughs> I still, when you wake up before the alarm, and it's like, yes, still got an hour. Um, but in the natural, I chose to keep sleeping. And the Lord used this to speak to me like, I'm calling people. I'm drawing the body of Christ. There's an awakening happening. We're being called to arise, to come away with him, to respond to the call. And are we listening or are we choosing to go back to sleep? And then, actually, I think this one might have happened before the other one, but the Lord spoke to me about, I'm drawing people away with me. I'm making a noise that draws them out of their slumber. Will you come or will you continue sleeping? And the Lord spoke this to me. And just days earlier, I had this weird thing happen where I was sitting in my room and I had a friend there with me who was staying with me. Um, and she was in the bathroom getting ready and I was sitting on my bed just reading my Bible. And I hear this knocking sound and I was home alone and so I was like, someone knocking on the door? So I went and I looked out the window. Nobody's there. And I just keep hearing this knocking noise. And, and finally I figured out, I was like, I think that's coming from the bedroom upstairs. And I was like, is someone here working on the house that I didn't know about? Sometimes we have things like that happen with, you know, you live with different people. And so it's like, you don't always know who's going to be where. And um, so I go up and the bedroom door's closed and I can hear it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely in the bedroom and so I put my ear up against the door and I'm listening and I just hear the knocking and I was like is somebody in there and then I just knocked back on the door and the knock stopped for a second and then I was like my friend's like don't open the door you are the person from those scary movies who just does dumb stuff and I was like I have to see if someone's in there so <laughs> so I opened the door and there's nothing in there but I'm closer 
And I hear that knocking noise. And I was like, what is that? And so, so then I was like, I think it's actually outside. And so I go back downstairs and go outside and walk around. And there's this teeny tiny little woodpecker on the roof of my house just pecking away. And it's making this super loud knocking noise within the house. And I was like, my friend's like, whoa, like, what was that about? And I was like, I don't know. And I'm like looking up scriptures about woodpeckers. I'm like, this is so, you know what I mean? Like the Lord might be trying to say something here. I don't know. And I looked up woodpeckers in the Bible. You know, you can do the word search on the Bible app. Zero verses. There are zero verses about woodpeckers in case anyone's interested in knowing that. Um, And I was, because I was like, Lord, you know, because I just prayed. I was like, Lord, you know, I don't want to be the kind of person who's like, everything always has to be spiritual, but I also don't want to miss anything that you're saying. And I would rather be paying attention to every little thing and not miss a word that you're saying than just discard things that happen. Right. And so, so I was like, you know, looking up scriptures. So I might, you know, I just felt that in my heart. And so I'm looking up scriptures. There's zero verses about woodpeckers. So I'm like, just, okay, never mind. Wasn't the Lord. It was really funny. And, and then this thing happened with my Bible page and the Lord spoke so clearly to me about that. I'm drawing people away with me. I'm making a noise that draws them out of their slumber. Will you, slumber, will you come or will you continue sleeping? And after the Lord spoke that to me, I remembered the woodpecker randomly enough. And he says, I'm, make, I'm making a noise. I will take people on a journey and draw them out of what's comfortable. Because I was on my bed, remember? And then I went on this whole journey up the stairs. I live in high altitude. That's a lot of work, okay? (laughs) Up the stairs, down the stairs, outside. I was looking all over. It was cold. I went out there barefoot. Just on a journey that takes you out of the place that's comfortable for you. And, but but it's all about response. The Lord always initiates. But what is our response to him, right? The Lord always initiates. We just celebrated Christmas, right? Christmas is the time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. He came to us as a man to bring salvation to all mankind, to be reconciliation, right? He comes as a baby. He dies as a man. And we respond to that by being born again and living our life in communion with him. That's how God always does things. He always initiates and we respond. And I believe that there's a call that he has initiated in the earth today to the body of Christ that says, will you come? Will you live fully awake? Will you answer the call? I think there's so many times it's like we are walking around as the body of Christ. There's this book um, called The Screwtape Letters. Has anybody ever read that? It's super good, super powerful book. And um, it's by C.S. Lewis. And, And basically it's written kind of funny from a perspective of like if a demon was going to mentor a younger demon and how they work within the body of Christ to keep the body from being effective. So it's really interesting because it, you feel like you're just getting insight into the camp of the enemy, into his strategy. And there's this, one, there's this one point where he starts talking about, he starts talking about the church. And he says, now I'm not talking about the church as we know her terrible and out to destroy us, right? And he's talking about the the camp of the enemy. So the church in the camp of the enemy is this terrible thing that's come to destroy and to take dominion and to rule and to reign in the earth. He's like, when I say the church, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about the pews and the comfortable seating and the people who complain about the music that they don't like and the people who complain about the carpet and who can't get along with the person sitting next to them. That's the church I'm talking about. And then he gets to work, right, mentoring this younger. And so, so there's, this, there's this picture of the church, and I believe she's called to arise, this picture of a body who's ready for the coming of the Lord, a people who live awake and aware that they have a purpose on this earth. It doesn't matter what your age is, what your gender, where you've been or where you're going. The Lord has plans and purposes for you that you are called to live fully awake to. And so the Lord is is calling out, right? He's stirring in us. I believe that there are people who are feeling hungry, that you're feeling a call to come away. And it might be feel really still and really small, but it's the Lord. And he's calling us to come away and to answer him. And so many times we continue just living carnal lives day after day after day. And again, carnality is not bad. It's just living in a state of carnality that's bad. It's living in a state of only natural things that's bad because you're totally leaving your calling behind. You're totally leaving the voice of God behind. And you know what? There's grace for that. God's going to love you and all, he love your passive self, right? But there's so much in you. There's so much in you. And I look at a group of people. It's like you have these pastors. You have these different leaders who sow into you day after day and do everything they can to train you, to equip you. They've got all these growth tracks set up so that you can succeed in every area of your life, that you can take the word and you can take the spirit into every area that you go, no matter what your job is. And you can be a minister of the gospel. And are we using it? And are we using it? And are we saying yes? And are we responding to what it is that God has for us? You have to respond to the hunger. Otherwise, the hunger will just go away. And at any point, you might have you stuffed down every bit of hunger you had. You might have ignored every call of God. You might have ignored every call to come away. You might have ignored it all. And guess what? Today, there's hunger afresh waiting for you to just pick up and say, God, make me hungry. Uh, Liz taught this message uh, last summer about desire. It's like, if you don't have a desire, it's like, ah, it sounds nice. And I kind of want that, but I don't really want it, but I want to want it. She taught this whole message on just stirring desire and just asking God, give me a desire for you. Give me the motivation to seek you and, and, and show me when you're calling me away and help me respond to that. You need to go back and listen. That message was powerful. So it's all about the response and being ready. The Lord is coming, and he's coming for a church that's ready for him. Jesus gave us a commission. He gave us commandments and a commission. He gave us a call. He told us to occupy until he comes. And I know that it's like for every generation since Jesus went back up into heaven, we've all been saying the Lord is coming soon. And and we haven't seen it yet, so it'd be really easy to just not think about that, to not look forward to it, to not talk about it. It'd be really easy because we've been talking about it for so long and it still hasn't happened. He said he's coming soon, and here we are 2,000 years later. But the truth is, may we never be the generation that is not aware and awake and ready for his coming. Because the word talks about he's coming at an hour that you don't expect. I want to read this scripture. The beautiful thing about like teaching in two places is like, I could just look at what I did this morning and what I didn't like, leave it all out. And then what I like, put it all in there. And I realized all the scriptures I wanted to read, I didn't really read them this morning. So 
So this is really good. Let me find it here. This is in Luke chapter 12. Um, and I want to read verse 35. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So if you don't have that, um, you can just listen because I really want you to grasp. Um, I really want you to grasp this. And I like how the New Living Translation writes it. It says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from a wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them and sit as they eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but when, whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. I think it's really important that we live in a state of expectation that the Lord is coming He's coming back for us and to live awake to that because so many times, again, it's like just the carnal things that take up so much of our attention. And it's like, we, we have to do natural things, but the kingdom of God should be a part of everything that we're doing. Everything that we're doing. It's all about responding. You keep in your heart the response. I think we could probably all think of things that the Lord spoken to us that we chose not to respond to. And maybe we didn't think, well, I love the voice of God, but I'm just not gonna listen to that. We might not have thought that, but so many times we live where it's like we're hearing the Lord, he's saying things, but we're not actually responding to them. I want to read this verse in Revelation chapter 3. And this is in verse 20. Remember the knocking of the woodpecker. I'm making a noise that will take people on a journey and draw them out of what's comfortable. I'm making a noise that will take people on a journey and draw them out of what's comfortable. When I asked the Lord about... Because like if I was going to word this myself, I would have said I'm making a sound because noise has like a bad connotation. Like it sounds like it's something, you know, noise is distracting, right? But the Lord specifically said I'm making a noise, not I'm making a sound. Then he said I'm making a noise and I started to look up what's the difference between noise and sound? They're both the same thing, but, but noise is something that is distracting. It takes your attention probably because it's annoying, but it's like it takes your attention, right? And you have to, you have to respond to that. I use the example this morning of um, I nanny these two kids and it's like, it's like the response level, like pretty good sometimes, you know, it's like you tell them to do something and then they sometimes do it and sometimes don't. And sometimes they plan to do it, but they didn't tell me because there was no response. So I have no idea where they're at. It's like, can you do this? No response. <laughs> I need a response, right? I need a response. If, they're, if it's an electronic day, zero response. There's zero response. You can't, hello, can you, hello, hello. It's like you have to completely turn it off. And so many times we're so distracted and we, distracted and we live in a state of distraction and we can't actually, we're, it's like the Lord's speaking and he's saying things, but because we're so distracted and we're so pulled in to whatever it is, 
And you, and you could probably name things that it's like this. These are things that are distractions for me. And I, I don't want to forget the grace and love of God because that's my favorite thing. Like if you're living in a state of distraction and you don't want to be, guess what? Today's your day. Like it's so simple. And the Lord loves you and he's calling you away. And now's the time to respond. I've never taught twice in one day before. And it's like getting my voice plus the two worship sessions. So it's great. Um, but, but when there's a distraction, it, it pulls you away from being able to respond or you don't really hear, you're not really aware of what's actually going on, of what's actually being said because you're so distracted. But the Lord's making a sound and it's enough that we can hear it. He's always doing things that we can hear, but are we paying attention? Are we living in a place where we can actually hear? Have we put away distraction? This says, um, Revelation 3, um, in verse 20, and this is talking, actually, I'm going to read a few more verses. Um, this is in verse 15. To give context, this is in Revelation when the Lord is talking to the different churches, and he's rebuking them for all of the things that, that they need to have a little bit of a course correction in. Otherwise, it says that he's going to come and remove their lampstand. So, like, this is a pretty serious thing that he's talking about. But he's talking about believers, and he's talking to the body of Christ, and even commends them for all the things that they're doing good. And he's laying before them, here's where your course correction needs to be. Um, and it says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot, you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Let me stop there for a second. When you have chosen to live in a state of distraction, when you've chosen to live in a state of distraction, you usually think you're like doing pretty good after a while. Like if it goes on for long enough, you usually feel like you're doing pretty good, but there's always just something. Maybe it's like just right here in the back of your mind. It's like there's always something. And it's like you can try and try and try, but it's like you'll never actually feel full because your hunger, all, you're, you'll, you'll never be satisfied, I should say. Because the only thing that can truly satisfy you is the Lord and communion with him and living fully awake to him and what he's asking of you. So they think they're doing pretty good and that they're rich and wealthy. And this is in verse 17. Still, it says, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined by fire that you may be rich with white garments and you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes the eyes of that you may see. There's a lot in there. But basically, you're living in a state of you don't even know who you are and you don't actually know really what's going on on the inside of you because you're distracted, because you've, you've chosen to maybe even hear the Lord, but there's no response to it. And here's why I believe this is where these people were. And then Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And in verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's, it's response. It's a hearing paired with response. Because you can actually like live in a state of hearing the voice of God, but if there's no response, if there's no action, if there's no, God, I'm hearing you. And, and we've all had times where we disobey the Lord. I will be the first right now to admit that. It's like, we, we all have times where we miss it. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you live in that place. For your heart to be awake enough for you to hear and respond. My heart is always to respond. Do I always? No, because none of us live perfectly. So it's not condemnation, but it's like if you continue to live in this place where you're not responding, you're hearing, but you're not responding, you will not fulfill the call of God on your life. You won't. And like, that's very sobering. And, but, but there's no way around it. You have to live in communion. You have to live in a state of listening, feeling the hunger, responding. You have to live there because there's no, there's no way around it. If you actually want to fulfill the call of God on your life, there's no other way. You have to have intimate relationship with the Lord. The enemy primarily works through a couple of different things. I think that's distraction and, and deception. Distraction, you know, it can just be those everyday natural things. I think a big distraction is, is offense. When we live offended at, at people or situations, that is like a cloud over your mind and heart. It keeps you really from seeing what's going on in your heart and being able to live in a place of like knowing what it is that the Lord's saying, it just kind of clogs everything. And so many times there's offenses that we've taken years ago and it's like maybe we didn't deal with those then. Or maybe it's like we just live in a state of being offended at little things that happen here and there. Either way, you've been given power. The power of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And offense feels like something that's really hard to overcome, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You can choose to forgive and walk past that. It's oftentimes just a smokescreen. And when you realize that you have bought into something that the enemy actually intended for you, you should feel like, what? Like, like, there's been times when it's like I, for a couple weeks, let something go on in my head that it was like, that was just the enemy. Like that wasn't God. And I bought into what it was that the enemy's doing. And I put my foot down, not because of anything besides for, I want what God has for me. And offense only holds me back from that. And if I've bought into the lie of thinking that my offense in my heart is somehow validating me and going to make me feel better, I'm super deceived because that's really wrong. And so it's like living in a place of, I can forgive anyone. I can let anything go. I can just move forward because I'm recognizing what the enemy's doing. You have to live in a place of recognizing that the enemy is going to use distraction and deception from keeping your heart from being awakened. He's going to use those things to keep your heart from being fully awake to what it is that God has for you. 
sometimes the distraction is just being comfortable in wherever we're at. Sometimes it's just believing lies, which I touched on a little bit already. But it's time for us to awaken to what it is that God has for us. I want to read one more scripture, and then I'm going to wrap it up here. But it's living awake to what God has for us. And I believe that there's so much more. I really believe that that even sometimes for those of us who um, who it feels like, maybe you feel like, sometimes I feel like this, and like I have so much life ahead of me. But sometimes it feels like, man, people have spoken really awesome words over my life. People have prophesied over me great and mighty things, and it's just not happening. And sometimes I've been in that place where it's like, it's discouraging. And the Lord usually says, chill out. You are 23 years old. Calm down. It's like there's so much time for the Lord to fulfill, but also sometimes fulfillment looks really different than what we think. And so, but, but the point is, is that we believe and we hold on to the things that God has spoken over our lives. And maybe there's things that we need to go back and listen to again and prophecies we need to reread and times when people spoke things over us that we need to choose to believe over our lives. It's really important that we keep those things at the forefront of, of our heart and that we live awake to those things. This last scripture I want to read um, is in Haggai 1, and I'm going to start, I think, in verse 1. So a little backstory behind this. I like have hardly read this book of the Bible until like about a year ago. I read through it. It's a really, really short book of the Bible. And I was like, how come? I feel like nobody ever talks about this stuff. But this is really good. Pastor Kim probably has. He, he's really well-rounded. Um, okay, so I'm going to start. <laughs> um, I'm going to start. Let's see. So basically, I'll give some backstory, and then I'll just read a few verses here because there's a lot. But basically, there was a group of exiles who went, and they were sent to rebuild the temple, right? That's like their one commission. That's what you're supposed to do, rebuild the temple. And what happened was is this group of people got their freedom, right, They're living in the land that the Lord's given them and they're commissioned to rebuild the temple, the house of God. And it says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, this people says the time has not come. That is the time. uh, The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai saying, it's time for you yourself. Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown so much and bring in so little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring in wood 
and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. The point I want to make here is that this group of people, the prophet Haggai said, is it time for you to just dwell in your paneled houses? Like, is it time for you to spend all your efforts building a place that's comfortable for you, a place that's natural to you, a place that you live in and dwell in, and you, that's where you put all your energy, and the house of the Lord lies in ruins. And so many times, I think it's like we get distracted with just all the natural things, and natural things aren't bad. I hope I don't sound really imbalanced. Natural things aren't bad. But when it's what we put all of our focus, all of our resources into, we're really going to live unsatisfied. It says it. They earn their wages to put it into a bag with holes in it. It's useless. It's without purpose. They spin and spin and go and go and work and work all for the natural comfort. And in all reality, it's like, that's, it's not going to get anywhere. There's a call that's deeper than the natural things, and our hearts are to be awakened to that. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, I'll say this last verse. I think I already said it was going to be the last verse, so sorry. Um, It says, Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Consider her ways and be wise. Move on from just living in that natural state of things. Move on. It's not time to sleep, it's time to arise. The time is now. I believe this year, the time is now. And may our hearts be awakened to, now's the time for our yes, now's the time to respond. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.